had to do all of the things. I had to do all the extremes to get to the middle, to get to the place that was um, the most exciting for me, that was most challenging for me, that was the best use of my skills. And um, that kept me, you know, getting up and running to my computer in the morning or getting up in the middle of the night to whiteboard an idea because there's something I was really excited about. Um, so for me, that's what pivoting is all about is continuing to grow and decoupling, um, you know, whatever, whatever narrative or story I had in my head about who I am or what I do, having that, you know, sort of, like I said, me, uh, unattached to how I show up in the community. This is episode 16 with Cassie Lee. Cassie leads climate intelligence at Lockheed Martin. She previously managed the advanced programs, climate intelligence, weather, and earth science teams there. In addition to her role at Lockheed Martin, Lee is chair of the board of directors for the tech nonprofit Place. She also serves as a strategic advisor to Buy Aerospace a world leader and innovator of electric and solar electric aircraft. Lee is the co-founder of the Brooke Owens Fellowship, a program designed to elevate extraordinary undergraduate gender minorities in aerospace. This award-winning fellowship model has two spin-off programs, in the United States and one in Canada. Lee has been part of the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs, Space for Women Network since its inception, serving as a mentor and as part of a cohort of space industry leaders committed to promoting gender equality and empowerment for gender minorities in the space sector around the world. Lee's previous positions include Chief Operating Officer of Earthrise Alliance and Head of Space Programs at Vulcan Inc., a Paul G. Allen company. In these roles, she led the development of innovative space solutions and technology applications in support of impact-focused programs, such as addressing climate change, ending illegal fishing, protecting coral reefs, and using data to save species at risk of extinction. Lee is a graduate of the University of Colorado Boulder, where she designed and taught a graduate course in aerospace engineering sciences and the University of Iowa. She began her career as a propulsion engineer for NASA and has held a variety of roles in human spaceflight with Sierra Nevada Corporation and led media and public relations at SpaceX. Our recording starts now. It is such a pleasure. I feel like this is a treat for me to get to spend some time with you and all of the amazing folks that are part of your community that, that you have worked so hard to build here. So it's my Oh heart. my gosh. My heart is just bursting. And <laughs> if it's all right with you, I'd love to jump in to the three topics. Absolutely. Yeah, let's get going. Okay, awesome. So our first topic is building community. And you've shared with me how community has played a huge role in your career, particularly with a fellowship you did in DC, all the way to building fellowships yourself. And so I'd love for you to speak more on this specifically and why building community is so important um, for you as an executive in aerospace. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a great topic and something I really did not intend to set out to do, but it's really been I think the secret of enjoying my career and having opportunities to kind of grow. Um, you know, I ended up, I was going to go to the Air Force Academy and for a whole bunch of reasons at the very last minute, I decided not to go. 
And um, I ended up at University of Iowa, which is, you know, a wonderful school, but not one that has um, an aerospace program. And so kind of from the beginning, I knew I was a little bit of an outlier and, you know, started to come up with ideas to bring people along and, and connect folks that might have some of the same passions that I do. And I mean, really, I got incredibly lucky. I had the opportunity to do this fellowship um, out in uh, in DC during my graduate uh, graduate work, and I all of a sudden sort of fell into this group of people that you know eventually became the Space Family. So, you know, we all went. Um, it was the very beginning of um, of the commercial space industry. None of us were getting paid or not getting paid very much. And we didn't really know where the industry was going and sort of through that um, sort of unknown, uncharted territory, building something new, we kind of all bonded together and it created um, this sense of, okay, we're kind of all in this together. Everyone has a role to play. And, you know, it gave me a lot of freedom to explore and try new things. Up, up until that point, after graduating Iowa, I had been at, at NASA and had a pretty straightforward, um, you know, path to, you know, being a propulsion engineer, and it was a really interesting job. Um, and I had decided to try to do something else. And I didn't really know if space was going to fit into that. And it wasn't until this fellowship opportunity in DC that I was like, Oh, you know, there is a role for people with different unique skill sets, there's a role for people that have different interests. And it's going to take all of us working together in order to build this new industry. And so um, I was extraordinarily lucky. Um, I landed right where uh, Brooke Owens was, I landed where right where Will Pomerantz was, um, you know, and, and the list really goes on in terms of the folks that we had a chance to connect with and build. Um, and so when we did lose Brooke, um, you know, Lori and Will and I sat around and we said, you know, what's the one thing we could do to best honor her legacy? What's the thing that we wish we had? And it really just boiled down to more time. We all had a lot of plans to do things together. We wanted to build things together. We wanted to celebrate, um, you know, what was happening in our industry together and bring our unique talents. And so that's how the, really the fellowship was born. This whole idea of what if we didn't have people out there just sort of wandering, <laughs> trying to find each other? What if we brought together people that were purposefully unique, that purposely brought talents and experiences together and, and brought them into the industry, gave them the opportunity that we had. Um, and you can see you are proof positive that the, that, you know, that model works and certainly um, our, our spinoff programs have, have even broader reach and bringing more and more folks together. And so I think, you know, it goes without saying that, you know, if you feel that sense of belonging or if you feel that sense of empowerment because you've got people on your side that hopefully you can go much further. Wow, yeah. And every time I hear of the story of how it really was conceived, I just get, it just, it like really tugs at my heartstrings and it's, it's shaped to become this force in the industry and it's inspiring so many others like who are, looking in as well. And I wanted to ask a question for the folks who are looking in, the gender minorities who um, apply time and time again, and just by virtue of being um, a selective fellowship and fellowships in general, like some folks make it through and some others don't. And um, just, just for the folks who haven't made it through, I wanted to ask, how does one navigate building community if they don't receive the fellowship or scholarship opportunities that do exist? Mm -hmm. And um, how do they feel that connection or that energy? And what I'm trying to do is to bring some of like your energy and enthusiasm and just 
your massive um, bio and share like all the possibilities, you know, with this community. And so much of my community is international. And sometimes it's not always possible for them to access these resources here. Um, and so what I do know is that you're so creative. And I just thought this was like the best little brainstorming question for those folks who do feel like they're peeking in a little bit and in, into this. Yeah, I mean, I can absolutely identify with, you know, the opportunity to sort of step forward. And maybe it doesn't, you know, you don't, you don't get that direct path. But what I'm really excited about, and this is not something I think any of us um, that founded the fellowship saw coming, was the programming that the fellows themselves have built. So our alums have a lot of outreach and engagement and opportunities. And, you know, we really, I'll be honest, we could place 10 times the number of fellows that we do every year. The talent that's out there, the creativity that's out there, the passion that's out there um, is extraordinary. And really, you know, you can see this year's class was bigger than ever and really just limited by the amount of, um, you know, work it takes on the back end and trying to really um, be thoughtful about how, you know, you can create and support the folks that um, are, you know, brought in and are matched with a host company. But that doesn't say a single thing about the folks that, that don't have, you know, sort of that accolade to their name. They belong in the community just as much. And so, you know, the outreach that uh, and the opportunities that have been put to out from, you know, especially the Brooke Owens Fellowship um, alums and I have no doubt the Patty alums and, and Matt, the Maddies and all of our folks um, can, you know, really serve as a great front door to connect with folks that might have similar interests. Um, you know, and that's part of what we ask folks when they join our programs is, you know, what are you going to do? What are your plans for bringing this community forward? Acknowledging that, that you know, we're small kind of by choice um, with our class size, but, you know, there is a huge group of folks out there. And so, you know, my best advice is, you know, do what you can to show up, be in these, you know, be in the places. And that, I mean, that's really how, um, you know, this entire program worked uh, for me in terms of just being at the right place and, and not being afraid to connect with people that have similar interests. And so whether it's, you know, going to a conference, and there are a lot of great opportunities to get scholarships to conferences, you can always volunteer. I mean, there's, I, I as I look across, and I think of you, and I think of so many other um, young leaders in our community, they just, continue to show up and give their time. And then they become part of these, uh, you know, communities that are growing bigger and bigger than, than anything we could have ever put together. Um, you know, and bios are on websites, find somebody you have something in common with and ask them, uh, connect over Slack, connect over um, all of these other, um, you know, social media elements, participate in something like this, ask you a question. I know you'll go and, and dig up an answer if somebody's got something specific that they want to, you know, find a way to plug into. So um, hopefully, everybody feels like they've got a role to play and that they are uh, welcome into this community because that's really the whole goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is just like reaching out to fellows and saying, hey, I'm really passionate about this and I would just love to be connected to XYZ. <laughs> Do you think, can we like brainstorm together? Like what could be a good fit um, for me? And yeah, thank you for putting that out there. And I really hope that particularly after this conversation, like more people are encouraged to, to reach out and do that. Um, and I guess my final question on this topic is now as an aerospace executive, what does community look like for you? How has that sort of evolved? And um, what can um, like the leaders of the future be looking to, like how does that shape up? How does your community now 
maybe differ from before or is it the same? Um, what have you learned from keeping that community um, and being that leader who sometimes has like a forward facing role, um, particularly in an area like climate change? Oh, this is a great question. Um, you know, I am surprised by um, how many folks are still in this industry, people that started, you know, 20 years ago um, in trying to put this together. And so it's, you know, there is a, a core group of people that we've gotten to know, and they've been extraordinary supporters of all of the things that we're trying to do and to, and to create programming. Um, and that has, you know, they've brought in people and, that, and those people have brought in people. And so, um, you know, the, the reach of the fellowship is, really my favorite part of the industry community. It's people that have stepped forward and volunteered their time or their expertise or just supported um, the efforts because they understand that what we're trying to do is important. And that, that to me speaks volumes and that is exactly the kind of folks that we are hoping to attract and stay, you know, stay close with and stay in touch with. Um, I'll say that, uh, you know, in light of COVID and, you know, getting older and, and not being able to go to every single conference, it's a lot less fun um, because there are, you know, those great, personal connections and those great memories. That's really how you build that trust. Um, but, uh, you know, so if you're able to do that, you know, in early career times, it will, it will set you up for success in the future. And I think I look for folks, you know, that I know when I have a question I want to connect with, I know where that expertise is, or I know where those, where those folks can be reached. And that just continues to reinforce these connections and these bonds. And it, it I think it just bonds our, our industry together, you know, stronger than ever. Uh, you know, kind of built on years and years of trust. Yeah, I love that. And I think what I've picked up from what you've said is the words trust and bonds. And I think that I hope for the folks listening who are like, just like young out of college, like to look to build that because it's not just like a one-off conversation at a conference. Mm -hmm. It's that like connection and development throughout the years that um, builds this like insane community that um, you get to have. So um, if it's okay with you and if you feel like we've answered all aspects of this topic, um, I wanted to move on to the Art of the Pivot. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, awesome. So um, something that you shared with me was that you're notorious for the unexpected career move between uh, PR at SpaceX to being a propulsion engineer to Vulcan and so much more. Um, my question is, what are ways in which you were able to let go of what you thought you wanted to find the freedom to pursue new passions? And I share this because so much of my community is um, so... Uh, inspired by rocket launches and propulsion. And once they get there, sometimes, uh, particularly with gender minorities, the spaces um, either aren't the most welcoming or it's not as inspiring day to day as they maybe would have hoped. And so it really comes to that point of shaping into something that they maybe don't want anymore. And so um, I don't think a pivot is always encouraged in that engineering lineup with engineer, manager, uh, things of that sort. So your opinion here would be just so valuable. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. It is probably the number one topic that I discuss, you know, when we do one-on-one -on -one mentoring and whether it's in, in the fellowship community, whether it's through the UN community, right? So this is a question that I think people have around the world and, and, um, and there's no one 
right answer. But the good news is that you, you know, there's, there's no more finish line, right? So you come out of school and you've, you know, you know, you have to have certain classes, you know, you want a certain GPA, you want that, you know, accolade, or you want to, you know, have a successful senior design program, or you go to get your master's and you get want this research grant. And in, you know, through the, through the coursework, right, and, and through education, we tend to think that there is, there's a win, there's a completion, there's a, a box you check and it says you've done this correctly. And it, wasn't long into my career before I figured out that that's actually not the case. Um, and it can be very difficult, especially when you're achievement oriented and you've gone through all those steps and you checked all those boxes to take a step back and really work to decouple your personal worth and your value, you know, your value to the community might be unique and it might be different from the, the path that you've been sort of relentlessly pursuing. And, um, being unhappy is not a win, right? Like there is so much that this community needs. There's so much the aerospace industry needs um, that there is room for everybody. And so to be the best at the thing that you no longer love or the thing that no longer serves you um, is not a great way to stay in the industry and to grow in the industry. So if you're able to take that step back and decouple that and take a really good look at what it is that does make you happy. I mean, my bio at the beginning, I always just sort of laugh because I'm like, man, that is a long bio. And um, I am not early career, but I am also, I haven't been around 60 years, right? So it's like, it that feels really long and it can be a little embarrassing because I'm like, oh man, I, I, people don't read that and think, oh, you know, she can't keep a job, she can't hold that down. It, for me, it's always been looking for where am I the most valuable and where am I having the most fun? Because if I'm having fun, then I'm going to be doing amazing work for for the company. And so, you know, I started at a very, very technical career. And then I went to a very non-technical career. And I really wasn't happy at either. I felt like I was missing something. Um, I was not really exposed to a lot of the in-between, right? I wasn't exposed to the concepts of policy or business development or advanced programs or any of those things, you know, because I had a really traditional career uh, path up to that point. And so, you know, if it didn't work on one hand, it didn't work on the other, I thought, you know, maybe I just don't belong in space. And it really wasn't until I had um, a job at, at what's now Sierra Space and I had um, the opportunity to go over to business development. And they said, well, I mean, you've got the skills of a communicator and you've got the skills of an engineer, like this is a perfect fit for that. And it was like, oh, okay, um, that's brand new information. Let's give it a try. And it turned out to be a really good fit. So it was really just because the extremes didn't work didn't mean that the place right in the middle wasn't a good fit. And, you know, I've wanted, I'm just always very curious about this industry and where it's going and, and human space flight is obviously so fascinating. The reason we, you know, like we said, a lot of us get into this and it wasn't until I had the opportunity to say, okay, what can space do to improve life on earth? That, that again, it was just a complete paradigm shift for me. It wasn't something I set out to do. It was a question or it was an opportunity. It was a conversation that was really eye-opening. And so I thought, okay, you know, if I can, if I can pursue all these things and have some success in, in the more traditional path, maybe I can try this too. Um, and so it's been um, a really fun ride. And, and you know, I, I know I've told you this and anyone that's ever had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me, the best piece of advice I ever got about pivoting um, came in a very unexpected place. It was an admiral in the Navy. I ended up sitting next to him at um, a dinner uh, at World Oceans Week, which like, why, why was I there? I don't know. It just, you know, life's kind of a, a mystery. Um, but I sat next to this guy and I, you know, he had all the, all the badges and all the flair, right, that you get when you've completely mastered your career. And I said, you know, 
you, you obviously have a story to tell. Like, I would love to hear it. Will you share it with me? And he's, he just started by saying what I thought was the most brilliant thing. And he said, you know, my story, like everybody's story, only makes sense when it's told in reverse. And when I, again, when I had that paradigm shift of like, as I look back, I had to do all of the things. I had to do all the extremes to get to the middle, to get to the place that was um, the most exciting for me, that was most challenging for me, that was the most use of my skills. And uh, that kept me, you know, getting up and running to my computer in the morning or getting up in the middle of the night to whiteboard an idea because there's something I was really excited about. Um, so for me, that's what pivoting is all about is continuing to grow and decoupling, um, you know, whatever, whatever narrative or story I had in my head about who I am or what I do, having that, you know, sort of, like I said, me uh, unattached to how I show up in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you shared right now is so important. And what's so interesting is um, maybe subconsciously I posted this, but there's so much alignment between what you shared and what I shared today online about <laughs> journal prompts for fun, um, as well as it being okay for us to change our mind. And I think the combination of that of giving yourself space to change your mind and then allowing yourself to have fun because particularly sometimes when we join engineering school as gender minorities and even though we have so much fun doing the technical things if sometimes the environment isn't right or um as you should like the role that we join isn't a good fit like there is so much more out there and i think it's so important to be able to allow ourselves to pivot even mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I encourage it. We've all had roles. I mean, I can speak for all of the, the gender minorities that I know in our community and, and we've all been in an uncomfortable place or we've all had a job that wasn't a great fit or we've all had it, you know, it's, it's not unusual, which is unfortunate, but it does push us to think about where we could be and what is, what is that risk? What's that next step? What's that next opportunity? What's a better use of um, you know, your skills in a way that you feel empowered and excited and, and part of something bigger. Because I, I, I really think that's the undercurrent, right, of why we all come to this, uh, to this place in aerospace. It's not easy. Um, and certainly every day is not going to be fun, but there is that driving purpose. And if you're really feeling like you're tapping into that purpose, um, then you can have a really long and meaningful career. And it, it can and, and maybe it should look like all kinds of different things. Absolutely. Yeah. And something you shared right now, which kind of brings me to my follow up question, um, is the concept of discomfort. And there's discomfort when you're in a place that doesn't feel like it's a good fit for you anymore. But there's also uh, the discomfort when you step into um, a new role, which is uh, so different from the one that you were previously in, even if you have skills in the new area. And it's about, you know, choosing which one is the good kind of hard or uncomfortable and so my question is how did you navigate pivoting into something that was uncomfortable and then building community in these uncom uh, uncomfortable and unfamiliar waters yeah I loved that part of the question because um, it's really challenging and you make an extraordinary point right like there is discomfort that comes from being in a place that is psychologically unsafe or that um you know where there is there are pressures and and expectations of things that are just they're outside of your boundaries right and and you don't you don't feel like that's a great place for you to be um so we are definitely not talking about that discomfort that discomfort you call a mentor you call a friend and then you know you use your network and we'll get you on to on to the next adventure um but you know, when it comes to doing something new and being in a place 
where it, it's not that next step, right? Like I've never had a job where I thought, oh, I want my boss's job. Um, it's all about, okay, well, what else is, what is there? Where's that growth opportunity that is kind of one of one? And, um, and so I have, and this is totally against my nature, um, convinced myself that I enjoy being uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and I have to say it to myself, like, oh, you chose this. Um, you, you're doing this on purpose because, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this industry and, and where it's going and how it's unfolding in a lot of different ways. And so um, I sort of think, well, if not, if not me, then who? And, um, and you know, nobody's, nobody's trained in this. So just step forward, do it, um, have that conversation, ask the questions um, and realize that not every, not every um, exchange or opportunity is going to be super easy, right? Sometimes you got to keep trying, you got to keep having those conversations. And, um, you know, I, I will sit in a place, I will learn about something new. Um, and one day there will be a moment where I, I get it, or I get some piece of it. And then I just start building from that. Um, or I find somebody I think is really interesting and I want to learn from them. So I reach out to them and try to learn from them. And just slowly piece by piece, you know, to, there is no when you're doing something like that, there is no definition of kind of what good looks like. You just keep trying and you just keep showing up. And um, if you're willing to do that, then you know you're going in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you shared about not wanting your boss's job is something that I think a lot when it comes to um, engineering and when folks have like many different types of passions. Um, I think I've personally felt so much freedom thinking, oh, well, I... I really do want to do all these different things and um, you're proof that it, it can be done. <laughs> so that makes me feel like I can take this like big exhale where um, there's, yeah, there's always time to, to pivot. And I was wondering if you had just any other sort of thoughts on this uh, topic or if you wanted to move into the next one. Well, I think, you know, I think pivoting and being the first or only can really be the same. It's part of two sides of the same coin, you know, because if you are trying to do something new or you're trying to step forward into something new, it can be just as scary, whether it's a very well-established element in the community or whether it's something that's brand new. Um, and finding mentors or finding sponsors or finding people that can share their experience so you don't go in, you know, completely cold or blind, um, that, that's another great way to do it, to say, okay, well, how did you get into where you are? I, I love to hear somebody's backstory. Um, you never want to, you know, use it as a, as a roadmap, but it does a template to say, oh, you know, every, people are out there doing this. People are out there trying and I want to be part of that or I'm inspired by that. Yeah. And so that kind of brings us to being the first or only. <laughs> and um, I think this ties so well in with just your new role and having to build this new team. Um, and the questions that I have, I think are kind of like, follow-on questions, but I'd love for you to just speak to building your new climate intelligence role and stepping into this new thing where you are the first to do this. That is so exciting. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is, it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's not every day is a win. Um, but you know, it is, I'm really excited about the opportunity to build something new and, you know, really this whole this whole idea to come to um, a major aerospace, uh, you know, industry organization, it was not part, ever part of my plan. Um, 
But, you know, I had been on the other side. I've been on the philanthropy side, which is another really unusual um, move, right, uh, for a traditionally trained aerospace engineer. And, um, you know, I had seen how difficult it was to engage with our, in, you know, our industry on, on having conversations that were a little bit outside of, like, their normal, um, you know, long-range plans or, or what it is that they sort of self-identify and what they do. And so I thought, well, you know, if not me, then who? <laughs> so the hardest thing I could think of was to go to a big organization that I knew had um, the, they, I knew that they had the answers. I knew they had the technology. I knew they had the skill sets. I knew they had the people that were passionate about doing something new with their information, their hardware, their data, um, and, their, and the way that they engaged in the community. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll just give it a try. And um, again, you know, there's no metric of success. There's no, you know, it's, it's great to have a new team and a new role and, and sort of have all of that formalized in that way. But um, there's still no like end point, right? There's no place where I get to check that box to kind of go back to the beginning of where we are. There, there's no definition of what good looks like. And so it's just continuing to try and to move things forward in a way that um, hopefully is meaningful um, for the community. And, and I think one thing that I've, I've tried to do in this, especially in this role, is to identify metrics of success that might be a little bit different. Um, because this isn't really a, a straightforward um, program that I'm trying to build, that there's a lot of new stakeholders and there's a lot of new um, communities and, and something as complex as our changing planet, right? Like that changes literally every day. Nobody knows where we're going. There's no right answer. Um, and so instead of saying, you know, I've solved this problem, you know, would be the, would be the check mark. Um, it is more about, okay, did we move the needle on geopolitical issues or did, have we, um, did I get contacted by, you know, a young, uh, rising star in our in our uh, company who's interested and passionate about this and was just waiting for somebody to provide an opportunity to engage or, you know, there are different metrics of success that sort of help keep me going and help um, help me feel like I'm moving in the right direction as as we're trying to do something new. Yeah, and just identifying those wins that again are just <laughs> unconventional. I think Philly just keeps you going and. Um, yeah, all of this is so exciting. Um, okay, so my my actual questions were, what advice do you have for gender minorities in STEM eager to start new things or to step into roles where there aren't built-in teams? Um, and you've spoken to not having clear expectations of success and making your own, um, but I was just wondering if you had any advice for newer grads um, as they step into um, things that really feel unfamiliar for them. So say someone just listening decides to pivot and they're like, oh, girl, <laughs> I did the hard thing. Um, and I'm maybe like 25. Um, it's like, a, I feel like it's a little different. So what yeah. sort of advice do you have for the 25 year old who's doing the scary thing? Um, well, first of all, I would kind of go back to some of the stuff we were talking about before en engage with the community, right? Like reach out, find somebody who's got that same interest as you or somebody who works at that company that maybe has a different role, but you know, is part of the of community of people that's trying to empower our next generation. Um, and then never, ever forget that this industry finally, after, a, I think, you know, many years is to the place where unique equals good. Right. Like as you look at I mean, even in a, a company like Lockheed, where I'm at 
the the value that they place on unique experience and the value that they place on unconventional wisdom or people that want to tie two things together um, in a way that hasn't been done before. Um, th even the most traditional organizations are seeing that value. So just reminding yourself why you did it and what you bring to that table um, and, you know, giving yourself a metric of success for, I reached out to so-and-so today, or, you know, I really tried. <laughs> um, and, you know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and know that you're part of something bigger. And um, be really proud of yourself for taking that leap because um, it is a leap. And, you know, I think something that you can really identify with personally, Ricky, is you never know who's watching and you never know who you get a chance to inspire just by going out and doing the hard thing. And, you know, I will say, and, and you know, if you look at, at, at my, you know, career sheet, like I've been wrong. I've tried things that didn't work. I've tried things that weren't a good fit for me. I've tried to, you know, do things that, you know, I wasn't you know, I wasn't ready for, or the community wasn't ready for, um, but it's all been incredibly valuable because of the contacts I've made or the lessons I've learned or the things that I've um, had a chance to work on, my weaknesses that I've had a chance to, to work on so that when I'm ready for the next thing, I've got even more skills or I've got even more knowledge or I've even got a, a bigger network um, to pull into that conversation. And, and really, you never know. Um, I have had more awkward conversations with people to just introduce ideas that I had or things I never thought would go anywhere. And six weeks or six months or six years later, that person reaches out out of nowhere and says, will you be on my board or will you join our team or can you speak at this conference? And all of a sudden you realize there you're not alone and you not, aren't the only, um, that you are doing something that has a, a much bigger meaning and, and there's a lot of opportunities out there for people to lean in to, to their unique um, uh, interests and, and share their expertise with the community. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, okay, so my next question is for someone straight out of school maybe who's like listening to this conversation as a uh, video podcast and maybe wants to lead climate intelligence one day and just for their general knowledge um wants to learn more about what goes into building a new team like this like what does that actually mean or look like and my question was you know how long have those expectations taken to build um but really as you're speaking i'm thinking okay you mentioned something about uh the geopolitical side so what other things come as almost like second nature to you uh that you know you might be like putting sticky notes on the wall thinking like okay this is what I need um what are some of those like headers that um I feel like this community hasn't really been exposed to <laughs> because we haven't like we're in engineering school and so it's it's just a little different I was wondering if you could share what sorts of things go in or like the components that the ingredients that go into like making your climate intelligence team? Sure. Um, and I don't have an answer um, because uh, <laughs> I haven't done it yet. Um, no, I mean, it's, it is such an exciting, it is such an exciting, I, 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 I'm going to just like nerd out a little bit, right? It's like an equation with too many variables that are unknown. And there is no this side equals this side because we're talking about a, a planet that is changing in every aspect as as we live and breathe right and on top of that you have what are the who are the stakeholders well now all of a sudden everybody is sort of you know waking up to this fact that um that you know understanding our changing planet is good for their business 
And what does that mean to them? And so, you know, to come into this conversation, you know, that's, that's one side of it, right? And then to be on the side of technology. First, I will say, coming into trying to look at this problem from an aerospace or technology perspective is, is really empowering. And my hat and my heart go out to the scientists who are, you know, looking at the data and, and are really in this process of, of seeing how these changes affect individual ecosystems or broader ecosystems. It's a, it can be a very depressing place to, you know, to see and to understand because it is such a personal effect on, on every single one of us. And so to be on the technology or the solution side, the monitoring side, the measurement side, or, or you know, the um, you know, the, the side of the, of the coin that says, you know, we can actually do something about this is very empowering. So I never take that for granted. <laughs> um, and then to be at a place where there are a lot of technologies that exist um, that we could, that we're not designed to understand our changing planet, but that could. I mean, if you just, if you start to look at things again from a, just a different perspective and say, to start to inquiry like, you know, is this algorithm that we built for the Department of Defense helpful to, for understanding the planet? The, the number of times that the answer has been yes um, versus no is, is incredible to me. Um, yeah. So, you know, being in the, in the aerospace industry, having the unique vantage from space, having the understanding of that data and technology um, and asking of it, inquiring of it what it can do um, is, is actually very similar to kind of some of the things that we've been talking about, people bringing their unique expertise. Um, so whether you understand one element or you understand the big picture, um, whether you are comfortable in the, you know, the, with the, you know, working in, um, you know, an equation with too many unknown variables, uh, that is not a place that a lot of people like to be. Um, whether your expertise is in policy, whether your expertise is in some very specific data collection, um, whether your expertise is in human spaceflight. I mean, the things that I can think of in terms of the crossovers on in human spaceflight and, and, you know, solving some of our resource scarcity problems here on Earth, you know, why, why not connect those dots? Um, and so it's a, it's a place where more equals more, more minds, more solutions, more opportunities, more learning, more conversation. Um, I don't believe that there's a product that you can go out and serve. I think it's more about engaging with, with, all kinds of different communities to say, how do we work together to, to just to do more? And the skills that it takes are all the skills. You know, I need people that are interested in the legal aspects, the policy aspects, the data science, the earth science, the, you know, the satellite design, the instrument design, the, um, you know, people that are into the comms and marketing and, and the people that are into engaging with the next generation, because that's where all of our good ideas are going to come from. Um, people that are not afraid to work with the defense community and people that want to work with the impact community, people that understand finance. Um, so the, you know, there is, the list goes on. And if you are between those spaces, if you have more than one of those interests, that is where, where the real magic is going to be, or you're willing to go between those two, diff two different spaces. That's where the magic is going to be. And that's how we as an aerospace industry are actually going to bring some, some meaningful solutions forward. Wow. Yeah. And I've been learning about um, sort of dual use in terms of active debris removal, but um, it's mostly been how does the good become complicated with space security issues? So to think of it the other way is really empowering, where how does the stuff that exists for security, how can that be used for climate? That is really exciting for me personally to hear. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I have a couple questions to wrap up, and um, they're more just 
like a rapid fire quick thing but if you want to take some time on any of the questions please feel free to um so my first question is what does success in stem mean to you um i mean like i said there's no there's no like trophy or gold medal for winning stem or winning your career um, so it really is just about doing the things that um, that are energizing to you in a place that you feel like um, that you're contributing your uniqueness. I mean, that's, that's, you know, when you're doing the thing that's authentic to you, and if you can stay in that, even if it means pivoting, even if it means growing, even if it means going back to school or taking a class or talking with a friend or getting a new mentor, um, then, you know, that to me is success is the continued growth. Continued growth. That's awesome. Um, what does wellness mean to you? Um, I, you know, I, I always think of the word balance. Um, I, it is impossible. It is, you know, it is again, one of those equations with too many variables for a lot of us. Um, but just striving for that and, um, leaning on your community when you need them. Um, and, you know, being, kind of doing away with expectations and just showing up every day with what you've got to give and, and, um, and bringing yourself forward uh, in a way that is empowering. I love that. Um, okay. What does effective leadership mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. And um, many, many volumes of, of literature have been dedicated to this topic. Um, you know, when I think of my favorite leaders, um, they were people that gave me an opportunity. They saw something that I didn't see, um, some element of the industry where they thought I'd be a good fit or um, in one case, something they didn't want to do. So I said, hey, will you go do this? And, and I think you'd be good at it. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be leading by example and it can be um, engaging with folks that, um, that challenge you. Um, and I think all of those things are, can be very effective and, and, and help us uh, find our places, you know, and again, those places are going to change over time. Yes. Um, okay. Tell me about your morning and or night routine and what helps you bounce back when you fall off track? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so it's not glamorous at all. I have twin three and a half year olds, so my life completely revolves around them. Um, you know, but I do, both my husband and I, we get up early to work out um, just because that's a, that's a gift to myself, right? It's not about, you know, I, I want to be strong um, physically so I can be strong mentally. And so that's just, you know, something I have to do every day in order to really feel like I'm ready for the day. Um, in the evening, you know, we try to spend a, an hour with our kids before they go to school and at least an hour and a half with them at night. And that's the thing that helps sort of snap everything else into focus. Um, and to have, you know, have that or have really meaningful conversations with my mentors or people that um, are part of our community, um, are, you know, that always helps me, back, you know, get back on track. Um, you know, I think when you are given the space to tell your story or reflect on your personal narrative, that helps you identify. I mean, that's like the whole basis of, of, of therapy, right? Like you say, you give yourself the space to say what it is that you need or think or feel. And a lot of times you can help really identify the places where you're stuck. Um, and many times you already know the answer, but if you can be in that trusted community or in that conversation, that also helps to really reset um, and say, okay, that, that's where I'm struggling. I thought it was this thing, but it really, you know, I hear myself over and over and again saying that. Um, so I think that those things are, are um, valuable parts of, you know, kind of staying on top of um, having a routine and, and staying focused moving forward. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess those are all my questions. There is so many 
just amazing tidbits in there that I feel so privileged to be able to share with this community because um, I feel privileged to be able to have one-on-ones with you, but I hope that people get to rewatch this, to write out things that you've said so that for these like 50 minutes, you get to be their mentor too. Um, and I'm just so grateful for your time. I was wondering if you had anything else that you wanted to share and also where the audience members can best follow you um, and continue to learn from you. Oh, well, that, um, you are far too kind. Um, you know, my greatest accomplishment in this industry is, you know, having a, a group of uh, fellows and alums like yourself. And, you know, to know that you are all out there just being better than we ever were, um, taking all of the opportunities that, you know, the fellowship and our community um, try to bring forward and doing so much more with it than we ever dreamed. Um, you know, I encourage people to talk to you. You are smarter at this than I am. Um, and you are um you know so so full of courage for putting you know your journey out there and people can see you know how you're doing it how you're coping how you're sense making and how you're taking and processing you know the pivots and, and twists and turns that come in every career um you know so that is something i just i want to just reflect back on you and how proud i am of you and of our community and and uh, the gender minorities that are out there just um, not only changing the face of the industry, but changing what the industry looks like. Um, and I mean that from, you know, the the core of it, right? The, the soul of this industry is is bigger and brighter than ever before. And so I'm super, I'm super proud of, of you and, and all of your uh, colleagues uh, <laughs> in the rookie community. Thank you. And I guess just with your new role, I wanted to say congratulations because um like you said, this didn't exist before. And so many of my brilliant peers, I think there's a sense of feeling stuck and not sometimes being able to do good with the inspiration. Um, thinking, you know, where can I go to do good with this degree? Um, and you're providing this like immense place to do that of people who can come from so many different backgrounds. Um, so thank you for, for creating that. Oh, well, that, I mean, I, I deeply appreciate that feedback. And, you know, if folks are looking for that intersection, it, there are a lot of places to be, and sometimes you have to make your own. But um, I'd be happy to have that conversation with anyone. And um, I'm a little old school. I use LinkedIn. Uh, it is the easiest way to get a hold of me because um, my inboxes get a little messy. But um, so if anyone wants to reach out uh, on uh, on that platform, it's a pretty easy uh, way to stay in touch. And I, I stay on it um, pretty regularly, which I know dates me. So I apologize for not being cooler. <laughs> No, I, that's what I do as well. And I prefer that over Instagram DMs, for example. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'll be posting your bio um, just with everything else and sharing this. So this can be shared and anyone um, who sort of popped into the live and had to pop out can listen to it again, digest everything incredible that Cassie shared. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Like I said, I'm so proud of you. Thanks for, for doing this. And um, I'm so energized by the number of people that are on this journey with you and, and are following along. Um, this is such a wonderful uh, growth of this industry and, and, you know, in a place that I could have never imagined. So I'm really excited to have everyone that's on this, uh, that's on this call or anyone that's, you know, a part of this community or has these goals um, to make their unique impact. I'm, I'm so excited to, to see where this industry goes. Me too. Thank you, Cassie. I'll be ending the live now. Have a great evening. Thank you. Bye. Good night.
so much for listening to the Leadership Equity and Wellness Pod with Ricky Roy. You can find me at Ricky Roy on Instagram and Ricky underscore Roy at TikTok. And learn more about me at RickyRoy.com.